Hello, everybody. My name is Anne McElhenney. And I'm Phelan McAleer. Welcome to the Anne and Daily... Anne and Daily. Welcome to the Anne and Phelan Daily Podcast. The, the Anne and Phelan Scoop Daily Virus, where we discuss the latest news, views, advice and madness of the pandemic. Can I just say, Anne has a friend who's called Anne Daly, by the way. Okay, that's fair enough. <laughs> no, that's, that's fair enough, actually, yeah. Sorry, this is week five. Week five, we think it's week five, or maybe week 25 of uh, the pandemic, of the lockdown. We're in, we're, we're in week five um, here, in, here in California, here in Los Angeles. And, of course, guess who's celebrating because of the economic devastation brought about by the Chinese coronavirus. Uh, we bring you the details and examine why some people want more, not less, economic devastation. Devastation, that was the alcohol last night, the devastation. And that's no alcohol for Phelan, actually, by the way. I do the drinking for two around here. Um, and we also look at why and how the left want to close everything, except for the border. Yeah, everything needs to be closed inside the United States, but the border should remain open, and except the border. And we look at President Trump's announcement of a temporary end to immigration into the United States because of the coronavirus, and we look at what that'll mean and discuss whether it will be effective. And California has some of the most draconian stay-at-home measures, and Gavin Newsom plans on keeping them, despite all kinds of good news coming from the scientists talking taking a very different story about the uh, num- about the numbers and we look as well at what we're doing and the pressure that's building to lift those restrictions and we look at the most unreported and uh, definitely underreported stories of all the pandemic and you might guess it's from china where where there's no reporting um and then we have a lovely story a lovely, a lovely story from Michelle Obama. You'll remember uh, Michelle Obama was the first lady of the United States for eight years until she was replaced by a really gorgeous-looking immigrant um, to this country called Melania Trump. But we'll we'll get to that, and we have a lovely message of encouragement from one of our very devoted and daily virus listeners, Lindsay, and we're going to get to that as well. But starting with, never let a disaster and a crisis go and a tragedy go uncelebrated. Yeah. So AOC. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, so you may have seen the oil price. Oil price has gone into negative territory. First time ever in history. And I think that really brings home, you know, when you have these historic rates of something and historic matters, and I've always felt that, you know, that the funny, that was the one, you know, people, when the, I remember the election night and Trump was supposed to lose in a landslide. And as the results came in, it was hard to believe. But one thing I always know about elections, landslides, is Always early on, there's this really weird result that everyone's just shocked. It's never seen before. And there was none of that when Trump, during the election, it was, you know, doing well, doing okay in Florida, touch and go, doing okay in North Carolina. Things were, there was no blockbuster, no historic uh, result. And now we know we're in interesting territory, let's say, uh, with this pandemic because there are historical data coming out. So, at one stage yesterday, the price of of of, of oil was down to thirty negative thirty seven dollars sixty three cents negative. So, if you had a tanker mm-hmm. and you went to Cushing, Oklahoma, to the to the pipeline, they would pay you thirty seven dollars a barrel to drive it away. So, oil was roughly sixty dollars at the beginning of the of the start of the year. And you know, I think we sort of mentioned this, but I mean, it's you know the 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 story behind that story is you know about a million people 
regular people, people you know, work in the oil and gas industry. Um, I'll tell you one person who doesn't seem to know anyone who works in the oil and gas industry, and that's Ocas- uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who then, um, you know, in a in the most unbelievably tone-deaf tweet of all time, and, you know, and by the way, when, you know, if there was a competition for tone-deaf tweets, she, she'd be in the running, you know, but she actually, this is so tone-deaf, she even took it down afterwards, but she, her initial reaction to this minus territory, minus $37 valuation on the, on, on uh, a gallon of, of, of crude, you absolutely love to see it, she said, you absolutely love to see it. This, along with record low interest rate, means it's right, the right time for a worker-led mass investment in green infrastructure to save our planet. <coughs> Cough, she wrote. She now, wrote, she, she took... Cough. She wrote Cough during a pandemic. I mean... It's um, it's hard to believe. She, you know, this is the the great. You know, a worker led. You won't. You can't lead any workers if there's no workers. Like we're talking about a million families devastated, but it also millions, millions because there's a million workers. Uh, but they buy cars. They get their hair cut. They go to restaurants. They go to bars. They do up their houses. But what it really indicates to me, I think it's. I actually think it's really instructive. I think it's kind of helpful, actually, she did this. She doesn't know anything about the oil and gas business. She, I think she thinks that there's these kind of rich guys sitting around smoking cigars in you know, high-rise apartments or in gorgeous homes in, in Dallas or whatever, right? Those people, there are a couple of those people around, no doubt about it. But it, tell, it tells her the story she's missing is the million workers who have good, good-paying jobs all over the place. You know, I was thinking yesterday when this when this thing happened. You know, late yesterday, I was thinking about people I met, young people I met up in North Dakota, people who had gone up there to make a living, um, young fellas. You know, that couldn't get a job, hadn't done maybe great in school, but were good, hardworking people, and went up there and were making a fantastic life for themselves, working hard on you know on the on the rigs up there, up in up in North Dakota. But also, you think about all over West Texas, you think about Oklahoma, you think about all of the, and here by the way, here in the Central Valley here in California, the amount of people working in the oil and gas business. So how dare you, AOC, shame on you for your absolute ignorance of what that number meant yesterday, of what it means when oil goes into negative territory of $37 for the first time in history. The amount of devastation and impoverishment of workers all over this country. How dare you and shame on you for your absolute ignorance. But thank you, by the way, Thank you for letting us know, because now we really know, and people need to remember this. People need to remember Ocasio-Cortez, who celebrated and danced, you know, over, over the demise of an industry that keeps this country great. Um, shame on you. Yeah, and then, then just, just to let you know, I mean, sometimes people tweet things and they're, you know, in, her, in haste and regret it. She followed up with another post calling the slump a key opportunity. So this is this is um, and you know there is an element in the left. Uh, I don't know how deep it is, but they want economic devastation. A because it supports you know their their plan to to you know the capitalism has failed. They they want to push the idea that capitalism has failed and we need more government intervention. But also they realized that a successful economy was going to get Donald Trump re-elected in November. So the last thing they want is a successful economy. Yeah, but, you know, and it's, 
I, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, just to remember as well, everyone, God between us and all harm, tomorrow is Earth Day. I don't even know what, it's like some big anniversary, and I don't know what many years, the thousand years or whatever, but it's Earth Day, so you can imagine the kind of stuff that you're going to have to listen to over the no- next um, 24 hours, the absolute nonsense. And I heard somebody say recently, not far from here, Philip, but in Venice, somebody said, you know, oh, well, you know, maybe this coronavirus is the Earth's way of saying, you know, we need to slow down or that we're doing the wrong thing. We need to rethink. We need to rethink everything. And you know what I wanted to say, but I was trying to be polite and you can't fight with everyone. But what I really wanted to say was in that logic, if you extend that logic, that this is the Earth's way of saying we need to rethink everything, then is AIDS, is AIDS, is it a punishment? AIDS. Is AIDS a punishment for being a homosexual? You know, let's be honest about it, by the way. Is Ebola, is Ebola a punishment for being born in Africa? You know, let's dig down into that. If you think like that, you horrible person for saying they said, that. Uh, they said, remember, they said maybe it's Mother Nature's way of punishing us, yeah, right? Yeah. And and so right, therefore, right. so cancer, like cancer, is a way of getting. So Mother Nature. So anyone you know, your mother who died of cancer, of breast cancer, and died a whole a horrible death, or anyone else you know who died of cancer, they're being punished. This is this is the kind of way people speak, and they should be pulled up on it. Now, I didn't pull them up because I was trying to be pleasant yes. and kind and 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 all of that. But it's not easy, by the way, listening to that. Not Nonsense. So yeah, but th- this is a this is a very prominent and very uh, people are people are stating it quite openly that that maybe the pandemic is a punishment by Mother Nature. So you be ready for that twaddle tomorrow and hit back with um, r- logic and yes. rationality. And by the way, and a bit of heart for these horrible people who would dream up such a such a concept. Yeah. So. Immigration. Uh, immigration. So yes, uh, the left uh, and and a lot of America are they want to close everything. You know, the the in Michigan you can't drive if you own two houses you can't drive between the two houses. In Ireland you're not allowed to drive more than two kilometers from your house. Huge resources have been spent here in California, by the way, locking down park benches. You yes. know, when I go on my walk and you find you see a park bench and they've got they've gone and uh, you know huge amount of energy. You know, and huge amount of energy as we said yesterday, closing down the skate park here. What are they call that thing a skateboard skateboard park yeah skateboard they put park. sand in the skateboard park the young people do then fail them in a skateboard park i think the young people did it about 40 years ago apparently by the way the young people have taken back the skateboard park and are i've found another thing that yeah. they can do with it they put water in it and made it mud and and put in bike Fabulous. bikes uh, bike track so everything's closed They're, the beaches are closed where are it's the most uh, owners, I, I would imagine under in World War Two there was not this kind of internal restrictions on travel. You could still travel across the United States. You could still travel to parks, but so restrict Americans. But the left are opposed to closing the border. What's the point in keeping us in our houses if ten thousand people can can a hundred thousand people can stream across the southern border? And of course, that's going to happen. Uh, if now maybe the, maybe the coronavirus Chinese coronavirus is responding to the heat maybe it's not so bad in Central America but I think it's Ecuador yeah Ecuador where they they were so overwhelmed the bodies were in the street yes. bodies were being families had bodies in the house and as the body deteriorated they were putting them outside the house and the system was so overwhelmed they could like the Black Plague, the dead card, only the dead card wasn't arriving. Even in, in the Black Plague in London, bring out your dead, bring out your dead. At least there was someone to say that, and they would take the dead away. In Ecuador, they, they don't have someone to take the dead away. So when when the people of Latin America realize we need to get 
to a country that has ventilators. We need to get a country that has a health system. They're going to pour in here uh, and that will overwhelm the system. So what's the point in stopping us uh, from getting the coronavirus to not overwhelm the system if you're not in favour of sealing the border and stopping uh, the system being overwhelmed that direction? It's illogical. doesn't make sense. I'm not sure even though that the president will... uh, He tweeted it, uh, uh, and many of the president's tweet doesn't come through. Uh, it's not an, uh, a tweet is not an executive order, but let's see uh, if that happens. But, you know, uh, I'm not saying that, uh, that it's the right thing to do, but it'd be the consistent thing to do if you're in favor of locking down American citizens, then you need to stop foreign citizens coming into America. If, if that if that's what you agree, and I'm not in favor of locking down American citizens, let me add. So moving on to reopening California. So Gavin Newsom is resisting pressure to ease California's coronavirus stay-at-home order. Um, On Monday, Newsom acknowledged that pressure from Californians and local government is building to modify the statewide stay-at-home order carried out to stem the spread of the coronavirus. But he said restrictions will remain in place until the threat to public health subsides and adequate testing and other safeguards are implemented, according to the Los Angeles Times. Yes, but... This is I just, this is a fantastic story, by the way, um, and just you know tells you uh, you know it's like th- this is a moment, by the way. I think Phelan will agree with me. This is a moment, by the way, for anyone who you know is not at college but wants to study journalism. You know what? Just read the papers and compare the headlines to the facts, and you'll get. Um, or you could listen to the Alan Phelan Scoop, which is the best journalism class on the planet, by the way. That's how. That's certainly how I learned journalism. But that's a story for another day. Um, but so, th- so this is really incredible. So here's a headline. So this is journalism 101. And I remember this with Phelan when Phelan taught me how to be a journalist. There's a thing called burying the lead. It's a very. It's a famous thing, right? It's where you know where obviously you've got an incredible story, something extraordinary, like I don't know, the Queen is dead or something, and you start the story off with it was a lovely day, and you know the weather has been. No, uh, uh, shoppers were aghast asked today to find most shops closed okay. uh, in London, you know, and, and restricted tube service. Um, you know, the measure came after it was announced earlier that the Queen has died, yes. you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Okay, all right, you did it better than me, so that's good for you, Philip. Yeah. So there, yes, that's burying the lead. Okay, let's, let, this is a beautiful burying the lead story from the, New York, from the Los Angeles Times. So here's the headline. Hundreds of thousands in L.A. County may have been af- infected with coronavirus. Study finds. OMG. In the Los Angeles Times, hundreds of thousands, one more time, hundreds of thousands. OMG. In LA County, the OMG is not in the headline of the Los Angeles Times. Hundreds of thousands in LA County may have been infected with the coronavirus study finds in the Los Angeles Times. So that's like, oh my God. So obviously things are worse than we thought. But you've got to read the story. And here's your buried lead, right? Let me read this. And this is from the Los Angeles Times. God help us now. They all need to go back to journalism school. Do you know what? They don't need to go back to journalism school because obviously that's where the rot started in the first place. Here's the story. That'll be the worst place for them. American journalism schools learn how to be, learn how to mislead your readers in a really boring way. Right, film. Do you remember that whole thing about us trying to keep this this show down to like fifteen minutes, you know, and it not working? But by the way, we've had a very nice letter from Lindsay. We're going to get to that. She says it's okay that we go on. So on Monday, an initial report from that study was released based on their findings. Researchers estimate that about four point one percent 
of the county's adult population. So they did a they did a county wide um, study up in up in the in the Bay Area. So 4.1% of the county's adult population could have an antibody to the virus. After adjusting the estimate for statistical margin of error, their findings suggest somewhere between 2.8 and 5.6% of adults in the county, that's in California, could have antibodies to the virus in their blood. That would translate, and don't worry, I'm going to get to the good bit, because I, you know, I, I'm giving you an indication exactly how much this was buried in the story. That would translate to roughly 221,000 to 442 thousand adults who had recovered from an infection in LA County by early April. But at the time researchers were conducting the study, there were fewer than 8,000 confirmed cases in the county. Now, as the, as the LA Times letter they sent out today says, you don't need a PhD to know that these are drastically different numbers. So what does it all mean? So here's what it means. The case fatality rate in Los Angeles County is currently estimated to be around 4%. However, that's if you take the, the very low rate of infection. But that calculation, which requires dividing the number of deaths by the numbers of reported cases, only based on known cases. And here's the, here's the, here's the killer line of the LA Times story. If there are far more cases than previously thought, then the fatality rate will be far lower. Phelan, what do you think the headline of the Los Angeles Times story should have been? Fatality rate of coronavirus is really, really low, latest figures suggest. Latest, yeah, latest scientific figures suggest, latest yes. scientific study out of USC suggests. Yes. Uh, you know, fatality figures could be the rate of uh, the flu, latest figures or suggest. Le- or less than the flu. Yeah, latest figures suggest. Yeah, but that's not the thing. So that's not what they reported. And I just think I just think it's delightful and delicious. And just, you know, as I said, if you're out there and you're a, yeah, as a journalism student, this is exactly how you shouldn't uh, be reporting the news. Um, this is this is extraordinary. Like it is burying the story. They're yeah. burying the story because actually this is a massive story. It does appear. And, you know, there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of people talking about this now, not in the newspapers so much. But it looks like the fatality rate is going to be much, much, much lower than had previously been thought of. And so this puts the context, this is puts, you know, this whole lockdown into a context where perhaps we should be opening up the economy a bit. And don't forget, there are two reasons why the media are burying these leads. This is not an accident. You know, uh, they are burying it because A, we're all going to die, sells more papers and is a more attractive headline and journalists like it rather than we're not all going to die. Journalists don't think, journalists think we're not all going to die is not a story. But it's the best story you can you can print. But for for a journalist, they just are, are are chronically unable to make a story out of things are better than we thought. So you know. So then uh, the second reason is because they want to create a narrative where things are worse than we thought, and it's all the fault of the orange man. So you know that is that is the reasoning for it. Uh, and that is what they do. So you need to read the stories or not read them at all. Listen to the Anne Film Scoop, Daily Virus, where you will hear the, 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 all the news you need to know about the virus. So, yeah, there's a lot of pressure in California, as we say, to open up. And, you know, basically, you know, Placerville in Northern California, they want to reopen because they've got very low rates. Sutter County, they they want to open some parts as well, and they're begging the governor to do that. Ventura County, they're opening their beaches this Yay! weekend. And they're opening 
golf courses, bike shops, um, you know, and, you know, Santa Cruz, they want to open their beaches. They've opened, opened beaches in some parks. And this comes back to what we've been saying all along. We need to stop treating all of America like it's New York. It's not. We need to stop treating, you know, we need to, the, the, I think a quarter of the cases or half the cases are in New York and New Jersey. It's, it is a disaster there. In California, has has emerged relatively unscathed. There's a thousand people dead, which is terrible. But we were predicted 50,000 people more invited. So, so the numbers actually are. I mean, it's extraordinary. So, California, with a population of twice the population of New York, New York has ten times the fatality of California. And you know, that's a, by the way, that's an enormous amount of things could be factoring into that. But these are, these are the real numbers. So California. You know, being compared, and I, I, by the way, Victor Davis Hanson, I, I just heard him speaking yesterday, really, really great. He made the point, and, and I, here's one to ponder, why is it that um, Cuomo, Governor Cuomo, is coming out of this as such a hero, um, when in fact there, things aren't good in New York, things aren't good at all in New York? Yeah, so please, let's let's open America, uh, let's, I mean, also... Rural Wyoming is not New York and should not be under the same rules as New York. So, China has disappeared, Anne. China has, oh yeah, I mean, this is, this is a, you know, and this is, a, you talk about, you know, again, shameful, really shameful journalism. Um, and, and, and I found this story in the Daily Mail, and it's extraordinary that every newspaper, by the way, and every news outlet isn't doing this story every day. Spare a thought, and you know, for any of us who are complaining about whatever small, tiny inconvenience we have had to put up with, just imagine if you were living in China, um, and where there are these people who tried to speak out about what was happening in Wuhan and have been disappeared, you know, have been disappeared. And you know, how awful is it that the world's media have just turned a blind eye to what happened there and just aren't talking about this constantly? Um, at least one is dead. This is from the Daily Mail. At least one is dead and the rest haven't been heard from in months. So why isn't the world asking what happened to the brave souls who dared to speak up about the coronavirus outbreak after Beijing lied to the world? More than five. 1,100 people were arrested for sharing information in the weeks after the outbreak. Dissidents are being labelled as sick, so the government can place them in medical quarantine. Health apps used by tens of millions of people to show that they are clear of coronavirus are being used to monitor people's movements and further tighten control. Hundreds of ordinary citizens are being detained. You know, and then, the, you know, just, I mean, I, you know, you can, you can look this up. I just want to talk about one, you know, to give an example of one. Um, lawyer Chen Yuquishi, whose videos of chaotic scenes in Wuhan hospitals with coronavirus victims lying in corridors were shared with an audience of more than 400,000 on YouTube, and 250,000 on Twitter went missing. His family was told the following day that he was being held in medical quarantine at an undisclosed location. Now, so this is this is the Daily Mail reporting on this just 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 this last couple of days. I I looked up the New York Times because we have a subscription to the New York Times and I looked up Mr. Uh, Chen's name. The New York Times reported on Mr. Chen on February the 14th. What month is it now, Philip? It is uh, April. Is, is it, it's, it's heading it's, May. Yeah, so, so more than two months later, the New York Times haven't bothered to follow up on that story, and that man has still not been heard of. Um, before his disappearance, Mr. Chen realised police were closing in on him and told his followers, followers ominously. And it's so sad, this, by the way. As long as I am alive, I will speak about what I have seen and what I have heard. 
I am not afraid of dying. Why should I be afraid of you, Communist Party? He vanished days later. And, and, and the Daily Mail goes through and, and chronicles a number of these other people who have been disappeared. Um, and I think it's, it's you know, there's, you know, we, our, our um, 501c3 is called the Unreported Story Society. If there was ever an unreported story, there's an unreported story. And shame on all of the large media outlets that are refusing to constantly talk about these disappeared Chinese heroes, Chinese journalists, citizen journalists, you know, and they all talk so, such a big talk about citizen journalism. Citizen journalism, when it comes to citizen journalism in China, is you know, is, an, is you're basically signing your own death sentence, um, and and that the world's media in the free world won't celebrate these heroes and won't ask about them every day, but instead obsesses constantly about the orange man, about what Trump said or didn't say. And and make him the villain. He's the villain. Like the front page of the New York Times every day. My God, it's like it's like Hitler basically. But in the in the midst of that, there's very little. There's very very. There's still very little talk about China, and there is literally no talk about these disappeared Chinese heroes. So we're going to talk about them every day. And those six sad bunch of narcissists in the American journalism world give themselves awards for bravery, and there are brave journalists in China risking their lives and dying and getting imprisoned for just telling the truth. So, you know... It'll be interesting to see, by the way, this year, and I'd love to think that this, this could potentially happen, but it does. It looks unlikely, given the way the New York Times are treating this, but that all of these disappeared heroes in China, that they would... that Basically, the whole Pulitzer Prize this year would be devoted to, to celebrating these people and nobody else. I, I, you know, one of the great things that Trump, President Trump did was he, he has destroyed so many institutions across America that needed to be destroyed, one of which was the White House Correspondents' Dinner. He just destroyed it. And uh, they, they, they actually, think, I think they had to cancel it last year because no one would turn up and uh, it was, they couldn't get a comedian and Trump wouldn't show up and when Trump and none of the administration would show up. And of course, journalists, they love access, so no one from the administration would show up. They didn't want to go and it just collapsed. And they they actually had planned to um, reinstate it this year. Now, I don't, I think it'll, it's later on in the year. So if they do reinstate it, maybe, you know, I, I don't know how much a table is. I'd love to get a table and sit at the table and have only empty spaces with the names of these Chinese journalists there. And the last time their name was mentioned in the mainstream media by American by American journalists, yeah. that that that, we'll that, that. that maybe, maybe we will do that, you know, yeah, maybe we'll and crowdfund for the table. So talking of detention, uh, not, uh, and this is a fake detention story. Chris Cuomo, the the brave CNN journalist, you know, uh, who's just you know just a one, just an unbelievable person, really, in many ways. Um, they made they've he has emerged apparently from his cellar. Uh, he got the coronavirus, the Chinese coronavirus, and he emerged from his cellar. And they made a big show of it. And him meeting his wife, CNN made a big show of him coming up the stairs, meeting his wife for the first time in weeks. And oh, well, this is amazing and shocking. And oh, he's so happy, and they're happy, and she's worried. And, oh, all this. But they, I mean, Chris Cuomo was on the radio two weeks ago saying detailing how he'd actually broken his quarantine and had went out and he's building a nice fancy smancy house in the Hamptons of and uh, he uh, you know he talks about it on the radio on this on us on this on, on the show but how he didn't like what he was doing for a living and ranted about a confrontation he had with a bike rider outside his property uh, when the coronavirus TV star no, not not his home the property where he was uh, 
where he's building a new house. So he left his property with his wife and uh, was looking, you know, oh, maybe we should have the study there. Maybe we should have the children's bedroom there. And some guy gone past on the bike going, you're supposed to be in quarantine. You shouldn't be out. You've got the virus. The guy reported it to the police. That's how bad he was. And he says he voted for his brother, uh, the governor. But none of, CNN just pretend this never happened, pretend pretend that Cuomo didn't admit to breaking the quarantine and 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 faked and faked uh, a a reunion between him and his wife so fake news you got it Trump is right so Trump is right about CNN you know every time CNN asks a question at the the press conference he always says fake news CNN and I mean honestly this is an extraordinary thing that happened that CNN allowed this pretend yeah the pretend release of of Chris Cuomo from quarantine when he'd been out and about all the time so Talking, uh, Michelle Obama, tell us about Michelle Obama, and then I will talk about uh, a new Daily Virus podcast. Oh, God, yeah. So, Michelle Obama um, is going to read your kids a story by video every Monday for the next month. Um, That took her a while. Um, I don't know, like, where was she? And by the way, you'll remember, this is um, Michelle Obama, who used to be the first lady. Uh, We have a first lady, an immigrant called Melania Trump now. But um, but in but yeah but 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 Michelle Obama apparently, um, you know, has just found a, a role for herself, and it, it seems a little bit late. But she's not the only person who's late. So this is like five weeks into this thing, or maybe even longer in some cases. But she's not the only one that's, that's late right. to the game. So yeah, la- the Daily Beast that left this uh, website, the Daily Beast, have have decided to launch their virus podcast. Like five weeks in, they're going to do a daily podcast with the latest, uh, you know, uh, latest news, views, and madness from the pandemic. To quote a phrase, and uh, it's been Trump. Uh, it's been hosted by Never Trumper Rick Wilson and uh, uh, Never uh, Never Would Ever Be a Trumper Molly Young Fast, who's the daughter of some famous writer from the seventies, whose name escapes me now. Uh, who wrote Fear of Flying. Uh, who wrote the Fear, yes. yes. Yeah. But I have some history with Molly Youngfast. No, not that kind of history. Um, so, yes, she wrote a review of FBI Lovebirds Undercovers at CPAC. And uh, talk about being tongue-deaf and, you know, just not understanding. But I suppose when you demonize, it's very funny, uh, you hear people say this, when the left accuse you of some doing something, it means they do it themselves. You know, and they get really upset about some means they're guilty. So, uh, you know, they they talk about the whole po- uh, Molly Youngfast in her review uh, of of the FBI lovebirds at CPAC, which is the text messages of Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, uh, read verbatim by Dean Kane and, and Christy Swanson. And you know, th- this is a plot by the F- senior FBI operatives to undermine the Trump candidacy and Trump presidency. And it's all laid out in their texts. And it's all laid out, by the way. And then they ha- also they're having an affair. So it's these these lo- middle aged lovers acting like teenagers whilst threatening tr- trying to overthrow the government. Um, so. She says in her review, the whole point of the play was to f- further humiliate Strzok and Page, but it actually humanized them. And it's like, why on earth would you think I want to demonize Strzok and Page? Like, do you not think, like, w- why would any artist want to demonize the people in in his play or in his novel? If you demonize people, people are not engaged with them, don't find them human, don't find them interesting, and get bored with them. There's no, there's nothing to be gained Um uh, so, by that, but but you see, the left love to demonize their enemies, um, and therefore they think that's what we do. No, I I 
listen, this play, I went through the text messages. There, of course, all the political text messages, a lot of them have been discussed. I find some real good, real gems that people hadn't seen before. But I would say 80% of my energy constructing this play was trying to find texts that humanized Strzok and Page. Uh, because I knew that would give the, 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 the play power. That when you see, when you make them human beings, people understand, oh, these are not cardboard cut out villains. We're not misrepresenting what we did. We, you can see how human beings went down this road of malfeasance and, and misconduct. So um, I, 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 maybe we'll listen to Molly and Rick uh, uh, and uh, oh, this is what we do. This is what we do for you people. We listen to people like this. No, please. But we have come to the end of this of this podcast. But I wanted to say before we left, we want to thank a lovely message we got from Lindsay, um, who is our lovely fan of ours. And she said, Anna Philip, I just want to send a message thanking you for your daily podcast. I got used to our daily one-sided conversations during the Harvey Weinstein trial, and your daily podcast is a godsend for sanity in these times. Please don't apologize for going over fifteen minutes. Good because we're about 30 now i wish your daily podcasts were longer you two are the only reason i have toilet paper during this crisis since i heard you talk about it during your crazy california segment before newsom shut down our state and i really love that you said that because i'm i feel very proud of the fact that i was an early adopter to getting toilet roll i got toilet roll at the very beginning and i'm so glad i brought you along with me Lindsay. too and then she wrote about uh, she was very sad to hear about our friend orson's passing when I was a little girl, that's Orson Bean, the, the wonderful actor and neighbor of ours and f- dear friend of ours. When I was a little girl, I got a chance to meet him on the set of Dr. Quinn and he was the highlight of our day since I always enjoy new photos, etc. And anyway, she says, love you both and your show was the best, Lindsay. Well, we love you back, Lindsay. And hope you're having a great day wherever you are and stay safe, everyone. And we'll see you tomorrow morning. And don't forget to leave comments on the Alan Phelan Scoop Facebook page. Uh, or anywhere where you get, or anywhere where you get podcasts, yes. where you can leave a comment on on the Apple Podcast app, you can leave a comment there, and you can rate the podcast. We really appreciate that, and we need all the all the ratings we can get. Thank you, and uh, stay safe. Thank you. All Thank the best. Bye bye.